Okay. Uh, okay, Vesiyat Deshmai, we're back. Back in, uh, back in business after a long break. So, Shkoch, everyone, hope everyone enjoyed the, uh, the Ben Azmanim, and now we're up to uh, a long stretch of uh, consistent learning, thank God. So, we'll uh, get started. The top of Daft Yud Ahmed Aleph says as follows Hanar Rabbanan, Eretz Yisrael Nivra'at Chila, Bechol Haolam Kulon Nivra'at Lebasov. So, first, this understanding is. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. The Eretz Yisrael was created first, and the whole world was created afterwards. Shnamar says, Ad lo asa Eretz v'chutzot. Until he hadn't made the land, and then chutzot, the area outside. Um, and so the first is the Eretz, the land itself, and the Eretz Yisrael, and then the other places. Eretz Yisrael, Mashkeotah Kadosh Baruch Hu Be'atzmo. Also, Eretz Yisrael, Hashem provides, so he waters Eretz Yisrael himself. That's what Hashem does. V'cholom kulo ayidei shaliach, and the rest of the world is through a messenger. Shneimar says, "Notein matar alpnei aretz." He gives rain on the face of the earth. V'sholeach ma'im alpnei chutzot, and he sends water to the outer areas. So again, you see this idea that there's a more of a direct connection. I don't know how this works in the celestial realms. I'm not commenting on that. The idea is certainly that there is a direct connection between Hashem and, and Eretz Yisrael that doesn't exist in the rest of the world. Eretz Yisrael shotat meg shamim v'chol ha'olam kolo mitamzit. Another point is that Eretz Yisrael drinks the direct rainwater and the rest of the world gets the tamzit like the leftovers. Okay, Shneimar hanotein matar al aretz. The same pasuk here, and v'shalech ma'im al pneichutzot. Meaning, there's like first there's the there's the matar, and then there's the ma'im. See first now again. How do you use what pasuk to do two different? Uh, uh, that's a fair question. I think we're basically just say like, yeah, we're going to get all these. It's the same principle that Eretz Yisrael has a special nature. Other than that, it's more of a kasha in terms of halachot. Meaning, halacho generally we'd say, that, oh, you really use one puzzle. Here we're saying the same puzzle is giving the same indication of special natures of Eretz Yisrael. And there's many different elements in which Eretz Yisrael is special, you know, above, you know, better than the other lands. And there's many, and many ramifications for that, which all come from the same puzzle. Okay. Again, it's a agadic drasha. So agadic drasha don't have to follow the same uh, strict rules of thinking the same way. But that's a, it's an important question. That's a good question. Okay, so that's it. Again, what does it mean? Literally, I don't know exactly. Like, obviously, it rains like in you know New York. You know, what I mean, like, doesn't mean like what? Like, the rain in New York is a like, runoff from Eretz Israel. That's not you know scientifically accurate. But again, the, you understand the principle, right? The principle is that Eretz Israel is the source of everything. That's where, the, the, like, if you imagine sort of like the connection between Hashem and the world is through Eretz Israel, and then it sort of like spreads out uh, from that point. Yeah. That's a human. I think a human shall. He doesn't let a human being control that. But again, what does it mean here that he gives a Torah Shalech? I mean, it's, it's not as direct a connection. Whatever that, however you understand that, you know, that's, that's what they do. Okay? Eretz Yisrael Shotat Chila. So Eretz Yisrael drinks first, so to speak. Becholam Kolo Lebasov, and the rest of the world afterwards. Shnamar Hanotem Atar Pnei Eretz Vegomer. Same idea. Mashal Le'adam Shemagabela Tagvina. It's a mashal for a person who um, stirs up, he needs the cheese. At first he, take, he takes the food and he leaves behind. So the psalab, the psalab is like the, what's that? The waste, exactly, like that, right? He leaves the, left, the leftovers. So that's what it's saying, like Eretz Yisrael gets like the ikar, gets the main stuff, and like, okay, everyone else is going to have like whatever, like the, the leftovers that, that we don't get. But we get the more direct, you know, pure from the source idea. Okay, again, 
not, I don't think this is meant to be taken in a uh, biological way, but certainly in terms of a hashkafic idea that we have this dependence on Hashem. And uh, it's interesting, you know, think, just to think of the context of these, of these uh, discussions, um, I think I mentioned to somebody on the TV on Thursday, one of my, friend, uh, my brother-in-law actually brought up the question um, that now that we have a lot of desalination in Eretz Yisrael, that we have, like, we're using the, a lot of the Mediterranean Sea waters to provide water for uh, people in Israel, so there's a little bit of a hashkafic concern some people are raising, which is that Eretz Yisrael traditionally depends on rainwater. And even, you know, uh, you guys will sense in here, like, as opposed to, like, in other places where when it rains, it's kind of like this down, they're like, oh, bummer, it's raining, it's, a, it's an annoying day. In Eretz Yisrael, you get a little bit of a sense, more of a sense, that people are excited, like, wow, Eretz Yisrael really needs the rain. It's really nice when we have nice rainy days during the winter season. Uh, significant, meaning that we're a little bit less dependent. The levels of the Kinneret used to be, like, front-page news. And that level of the Kinnera isn't as significant because we're not everything coming from the Kinnera. We have desalination. So sort of this is sort of highlighting that issue, right? That Hashem is directly controls the rain in Eretz Yisrael. And that's one of the beautiful things about Eretz Yisrael, that we have this sort of dependence on God and awareness that Hashem is around because of our dependence on the rain. If we're not as dependent on rain, how does that impact our dependence on Hashem? Meaning, when you think about, like, startup nation, right? And, like, having, like, all these, you know, these, uh, the high-tech industry. So that's all great. Does it, on a hashkafic level, detract from our hyper-awareness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our uh, survival? So something to think about, certainly in this context. Okay, moving along, though. Amar mar, mematkim heim be'avim minalei. So there was stated earlier that Rabbi Lezer said that the water becomes sweetened in the clouds. So minalei, from where does he know this? Amar Rabbi Yitzchak bar Yosef, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, k'tiv, chashchat mayim aveshechakim. The Pumam Pazak in Tehillim says, uh, like the darkness of the water is in the thickness of the cloud. Uktiv, chashrat mayim aveshechakim. So chashrat mayim means, Pazak, one second, I'll tell you. Um, one second. The gathering of the waters in the thick clouds. So it's a very similar pasuk, just a slightly worth chashrat and chashrat. So it says as follows, shakil kaf, shakil So take the kaf and the word chashrat and put it with the word, with the resh of chashrat, because it's not by accident that these two are so similar. Like the word kasher, like huchshar, like to be prepared. So the, the waters are being prepared in the clouds for uh, the people down below, and that's the sweetening of the waters that makes them sort of like drinkable and usable. Okay, so that's Rabbi Lezer's opinion. For Rabbi Yoshua, the Hani cry my darling. I agree with that. So he said, what does he do with the Psukim? So Rabdimi Amar, he follows that what Rabdimi said when he came from Eretz Yisrael. He said, Amri Bemarava, they say in the, in the West, in Eretz Yisrael, Nahor Anane Ziirin Mohe. If the clouds are bright, then there is a little bit of water. Chashoch anane, if the clouds are dark, sagyan mohi, there is a lot of water. We just kind of know that dark clouds have like more water in them, right? They're lower down to the ground. Um, so he says as follows. So, uh, so that's his idea. That's his idea. Like the chashchat ma'im avei shechakim. The chashchat is like the darkness of the clouds that indicates lots of water. Okay, Keman az Maim Who like whose opinion would the following phrase follow? The idea that the waters that are up above 
are hanging there by the word of God. I mean, there's no physical structure holding back the waters, rather just Hashem's decision whether to release them or not. And their fruits are rain water. From the fruit of your handiwork, the land is satiated. So you see that it's Hashem who's in charge, and that's called his fruits. That's the fruits is the rainwater. So Keman, who holds like this? Kerabi Yoshua. That's like Rabbi Yoshua. Okay, who's had the same idea? But Ma'amar, like Hashem sort of controls this whole uh, the whole thing. And Rabbi Lezer says that possibly is just talking about God's handiwork is not necessarily talking about rain per se. Okay. Rabbi Shubin Levi says that the whole world actually drinks from the tamsit, from the leftovers of Gan Eden's water. It says that river came out of Eden. And the Tana taught that from the tamsit, from the leftover of a Beit Kur, a Tarkav can be fed. Uh, and Tarkav is a 60th of a Beit Kur. So same idea that uh, God in the world is like a 60th of Gan Eden, so to speak. Okay, so that's the idea. That again, again, here, the, I think, again, this, the point is that Gan Eden, for the, the, source, the beginning of everything, that becomes the source for the whole world. So now the Gemara, we'll sort of get into that a little bit, into the size of the world, which is a little strange. Son of Rabbanan, Eretz Mitzrayim, Havya Arba Meal Parsa, Al Arba Meal Parsa. Mitzrayim is 400 parsot by 400 parsot, through Acham Mishishim Bekush, and that's 160th of the size of Kush, which is Ethiopia. Kush is a 60th of the whole world. And the world is a 60th of Gan Eden. Uh, I'm sorry, of Gan, of the Gan. The Gan is a 60th of Eden. I'm not sure the math is really hard here, but uh, uh, it's a lot of multiplication. It's one 60th of Gehenna. Nimsa kololam kulo. So you see, if you do all the math, it's 60th to the 60th to the 60th to the 60th, you find the whole world is like a cover, if you think of Gehenna as a pot, so the whole world is just like a pot cover on top of Gehenna, which actually, if you've seen ancient pictures of how they envisioned what the world looked like, there was the world up here, and then there was like this big, like, I don't know what you call it, like abyss, which is, which is Gehenna, so the world is kind of like a pot, and even in those pictures, the world is like a pot cover, it's like even in size of, uh, of Gehenna. <laughs> What's Gan Eden there? Where, where is it? Uh, where is it? No, it's located. Let's say it's located in the Middle East. Let's say somewhere, right? That's a, presumably that's where Gan Eden is. Right. What's Gan versus Eden? Yes. Good question, guys. Good question. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah, so and then this image, I guess, Gan Eden was like maybe not just a physical location, maybe also represents some other like uh, upper realms or something like that, something in the higher realms, which also has volume, something like that. You're, I'm with you, it's a little bit tricky. Uh, no, I'm not sure what to say about that so much. What's that? If you dig deep in, you'll find Gehenna? Oh, at that, at this time? Yes. Sure, of course. Yeah, they thought the world was flat. Right? I think so. There are some indications in the Gemara that the possibility of the, of, uh, of the world being round, but, it's, uh, but that's not really what the general consensus was. That's not a religious belief. That was the general consensus. I think to some extent, yeah. I think to some extent, you know. I think they, I think they imagine things in, in physical terms, right? They also thought the heavens, right? I think that's why, like, 
you know, the famous story of like the first, you know, uh, cosmonaut, right? So he said, uh, you know, I've got to the heavens, right? And, and, and I don't see any angels here. So I think everyone kind of imagined that thing. It's only later we sort of you know, came up with this conception. That, you know, I think he was being sarcastic, but, but again, but in the earlier times, that's really what we imagined. Uh, okay. Let me get out of here. Um, some say the Gehenim has no shear at all. Some say Eden has no shear at all, has no measurement. Okay. What's about the Rabat Otsarot says it dwells on many waters. It is full of storehouses. Who causes Babel to have its storehouses full of grain? Because it dwells on lots of water. I mean, it's like a swampy area in Babel. So they had lots of water. They didn't rely on rain too much. Amarav, Rav says, Atira Babel, Babel is rich. Atira, like the word Ashira. De Chasta below Mitra. It has grain without rain. You don't need it. That's Rabbi says. So, so we understand it's swampy. I mean, swampy is preferable and not yovshani, like the word yavesh, not dry land. Dry land is uh, not going to be so effective for crops. More swampy land is going to be much more effective. Okay, that does it for the Agadata right now. And now we'll head to much more halachic and actually very halachalamaisa, sorry, very halachalamaisa for this week. When the Mishnah says, Begimel b'marcheshvan sholim etag shamim. So he says, the third of marcheshvan is when we start asking for gishamim, meaning betain talo matar livracha. Gimel marcheshvan is tomorrow. Right, that's tomorrow. So that's the Tanakhama's opinion. Ramagamil omer b'shiv abo. It's the seventh of marcheshvan, which is Friday, uh, meaning Thursday night. Why the seventh? Tedvav yom achar hachag. It's 15 days after Sukkot. Kadesh yagia acharon shib Yisrael in the Harprat. So the last person who, of Yisrael who's come to be Ola Regal can reach the Euphrates River, maybe they can get home and not be sort of whitewashed out in a rainstorm when they're on the road. That's the idea. We give people time to get home because we don't want to you know, give them uh, troubles when they're traveling home. Okay, so Gemara says, Amra Belazar, Halacha Karab Gamliel. Halacha is like Rabban Gamliel that we start saying on the seventh, and then in Eretz Yisrael is in fact the Halacha. That's what we'll start doing here Thursday night. Tanya, we learn in the Bright, the Chananya Omer Uva Gola on Shishim Bitkufa. Hananya says in the Gola and Chusla are to wait till sixty days after the Tkufa. The Tkufa is the um, equinox. So where we say the equinox is about September twenty first. Is that correct? Right. That's equinox. Mm-hmm. Right. So sixty days after that, that's when the, that's when you begin. Uh, saying, And halacha, in fact, is like Hananya. This is one of the famous things, one of the few areas of halacha where we actually use the solar calendar in terms of halacha. Right? Usually in halacha we're using the lunar calendar and then we have to sort of match it up with the solar. But here you have a pure solar calendar calculation and that's in fact the halacha, right? That's what happens if you, go there, if you live in America or outside of Israel, we do December 4th or 5th, depending on the leap year. That's how it uh, works out, yeah. Um, so then why in the center does it say December 3rd or 4th? 4th or 5th, depending on leap year or not leap year. It's, if, if it's a... If it's a, uh, if, it's a, if it's a solar leap year? Yeah. Solar leap year. It doesn't, if it's just 60 days from September 21st, then it should always be... No, because you have to adjust. Because you have to adjust it. Because the solar year is 365 and a quarter days. So that's why you have to have the extra day every four years. Oh, okay. Yeah? So that's the idea. Yeah. What's that, a holiday? Yeah. Uh, where? Oh, you said pagan holiday. Oh, pagan holiday? 
Oh, it could be, no, the pagans certainly maybe could do holidays on the equinox, but we're not saying do a holiday there. We're just saying we recognize those realities. What is the equinox? Why would the equinox be like mentioned here and not in any other like, Cases of Jewish law. Um, that's a good question, which well, I can't address right now. No, but isn't it, is well, it, isn't it like it's seasonal? It's like based on the solar. Um, it's based on the solar. Oh, with the rainy season. Seasonal. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes more sense. I mean, it's just right. We don't we don't do it, but it, but it does make sense in theory. Has to be based on solar. Okay, so let's keep going because we're going to run out of time here. The Gemara says, "Any is that so?" But they asked Shmuel, well, from when do we say "betain telamatar"? He said to them, He said, we start saying it when they start bringing in the wood to the house of Tavut, the bird hunter. And I guess when they start bringing all the, all the firewood in the house. So uh, I guess that's the idea, right? Like once you get the firewood in, then you can let it rain. Because if it rains, otherwise you have wet firewood and that's bad for firewood. So uh, that seems to be a different calculation. Maybe the both are the same shear. It's just two different ways. One is a very astronomical way of calculating it, and one is a sort of like you know like a very like sort of like day to day you know uh, layman's way of calculating it. So Yom Shishim Shishim Shishim. They're asking what is the day, the, day of the 60th day? Is the 60th day like the day before? Is the 60th day like the day after? Meaning, is the 60th day included or not included in the calculation? So Tashma Rab Amar Yom Shishim Shishim. Rab says the 60th day is in, uh, is included, and therefore. It's like afterwards when you do say it. Ushmul Amar Yom Shishim Kilif Nei Shishim. Ushmul said it's like beforehand. So Amar Av Nachav Yisach V'Simanech Ilai Baumaya Tatai Lo Baumaya. He says the Siman is. How do you remember which one said which? How do you know Rav said what Rav said and what Shmuel said? He said that the Ilai Rav, who is living in Eretz Yisrael, so he's the upper one, right? Eretz Yisrael had a higher. Uh, elevation and so in higher elevations, the rains are less effective generally because the rain runs down the slopes. So let's say in the mountains of say of Haray Yehuda or something like that. So you would need more rain earlier. So that one day difference, I guess, would be Rav. He lived in Eretz Israel, and the Shmuel as the Tatai. He's the one who's living in Bavel, which is the lower lands. Like we said before, it's more swampy. Uh, so he didn't need the water as much. So he didn't include. Day sixty. So we pass in the Yom Shishim that's like afterwards. We pass in like Rav that it's not that it is uh, included. Basically, we start to say B'tein Tanu Matar on the sixtieth day itself. Yeah. The the opinion that it starts the sixty days to the equinox is that a I guess a different opinion, an argument on the opinion of the. That's like we started saying it on the seventh day. So it's saying one is for Eretz Israel and one is for Chutz Okay, Yeah. So if we follow, follow the opinions that hold for Chutz Laaretz, then why do we say Yom Shishim Kolachar Shishim? Because shouldn't we hold like Shmuel who lives outside of Israel? Um, I guess that's interesting. You're saying, uh, but I guess even but saying even Rav. It's funny because like, you're right. Even Rav, who they say what lived in Eretz Yisrael, well, Rav went with both. Right, he lived in Eretz Yisrael and he moved to Babel. Um, they're saying Rav said that because of Eretz Yisrael, and we say that's a good question. I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's a fair. I'm not sure why that would be like. It's right. It's funny. Like Rav was. That's more of a question on Rav. Like why is Rav saying something based on Eretz Yisrael? For Chutzla Eretz. One second. Let me look at Rashi for a second. I don't see it. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know how to do the for now. Okay, the Mishnah, new Mishnah, says as follows. 
Here we're really hitting the, 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 our stride though in the, in the uh, Masechet. What happens if the 17th of Marcheshman comes and there hasn't been rain yet? So it's been 10 days basically and there's no rain. And that's what Masechatani essentially, essentially is about, which is what happens when there's no rain? How do we do fast days? So The Yechidim, the individuals, begin fasting three fast days. Now, during those fast days, ochlin v'shotim mishachashecha, those, on those fast days, they still can eat and drink once it gets dark, okay, so it's only a daytime fast. Umutarim b'melacha, they're allowed to engage in melacha, you can do work. Uvarichitza, they can bathe themselves during those fast days. Uvesicha, you can, you know, put oils and stuff on your body. Uvenilata sandal, you can wear uh, shoes, uvetashmishamita, and sexual relations is also permitted. Meaning, so it's not a stringent fast day like Tisha B'av or Yom Kippur. Um, rather, it's uh, it's much more lenient fast. Higia Rosh Chodesh Kislev What if Rosh Chodesh Kislev comes? So now it's basically two weeks later, and it still hasn't rained. Beitin goes rin shalosh taniyot alatibur. So now where they gets more serious, and the Beitin uh, uh, decrees. Three fast for the whole community, not just for Yechidim. But again, Ochlim Veshotim Mishachat Shecha, they can eat and drink at night. Umutarim Bemlacha Berchitza Besicha Benyalat Sadab Tashim Shemaitan. All those other Inuyim are permitted during the day. Okay. Oh, this next question right now. Gemara says, Man Yechidim. Excellent. So who are these Yechidim? Right? It's very nice. Like individuals. So who's individuals? Like, just the guy who like won the uh, the auction on Yishim Chastorah? Like, is he the guy who gets her? Like, so Amarav, who now? Rabbanan. I think it's the Rabbanan, the rabbis. Who are the rabbis? That's a fair question too. But okay, so I guess that a certain class of people would un- understand. They're the ones who are supposed to fast. Ve'amar Rapuna, and Rapuna goes on to say, Yechidim mitanim shloshat ha'aniyot, sheni v'chamishi v'sheni. So what are the three fast days? Are they fast? It's what we call Bahab. Have you hear about Bahab? Oh, Bahab yeah. is Bahab. Bet, hey, Bet, it's Monday, Thursday, Monday. That's the sequence of fast days. They would do Monday, Thursday, Monday. My Kamash Malan. So what's he trying to teach us? Tanina, we already have this uh, stated later on. We already know we don't start off a fast day on Thursdays so as not to ruin the market prices. I guess Thursday was one of the market days. If you start on Thursday, it sort of throws off the markets. I'm not sure exactly why Thursday throws off the markets, not Mondays. But that's the idea that Thursday is a bad day to start with the fast day because it gets people nervous. It's actually an interesting point if you guys follow the stock market at all. The stock market... This is my interpretation. I think this is correct. That the stock market, right, basically functions on people's moods, right? Like in, in anticipation of what they think is going to happen. If you're optimistic and things are going to things are going to go well, the, the stock market go, you know, rises. When people are nervous that things are not going to go well, the stock market drops. So same is true in general, right? When the, in any market price, if you start to get nervous that, like, let's say, there's not going to be enough water. Well, prices for lots of essential goods will start to rise. So on a Thursday, if you start declaring a fast day because it hasn't been water, it hasn't been rained yet, you can imagine that you know, creates a little bit of a panic in the markets and that would make things a little bit... Uh, throw things. So you see, it started on a Monday, maybe because that way you have the rest of the week to sort of you know, smooth things out. Not clear to me exactly why Monday is better than Thursday. Uh, maybe it's a nuance in the markets that I'm not aware of. Okay, but that's the point that we're going to that really learn that. So why does we have to point out we start on Monday? Of course we start on Monday. I guess the assumptions were always going to be fast on Mondays and Thursdays. So it's clear it's Monday, Thursday, Monday. So Ella rather shalosh taniyot harishonot sheni v'chamishi v'sheni. So by the way, it's telling us is that rather the first three taniyot are going to be Monday, Thursday, Monday. So mahu detema. So what might you have thought? Meaning, why does Rav feel the need to instruct us? This also we see it clearly in the Brita. 
Hani mili tzibur. You might have thought that this is refers to the tzibur. That maybe the communal fast that can't start on the Thursday. The communal fast has to start on the Monday because that would really throw off the markets. Aval yachin lo. But for an individual, maybe there's no impact at all. We just know if the rabbanan start to fast, they're like the pious ones. They're sitting in the base magish. They don't really impact the actual social construct at all. Kamashwa, that's what he's coming to teach us. And no, if the same halacha applies even to the Rabbanam. And the Rabbanam is fast. And Tanyan Rehach, we have that says the exact same thing. When the individual starts to fast, they start on Monday, Thursday, Monday, and they would interrupt those fasts or on uh, special days that are written up in Migilat Ta'anit. I think we've referenced that before, we just to repeat. The Migilat Ta'anit was a book that they had, we don't really have it anymore, but it's a book that they had where there was listed a lot of special days for different types of events that happened in Jewish history, where because of the day was a special day, they wouldn't be allowed to do certain things, most specifically fasting and also maybe eulogies. Those things they wouldn't be allowed to do. So these fast also wouldn't interrupt those types of fast days if they were written up in Begilat Tanik. You guys might say, well, you know, we know the calendar. We're in Mar Cheshvan. Why is it called Mar Cheshvan? Because there's no holidays in Mar Cheshvan. So if you're on the 17th of, of, of Cheshvan, what kind of days are we talking about? Well, we're not talking about our calendar days. We're talking about calendar days they had even when there's Megillah Tanit around, and therefore they could potentially hit those days. So if it worked on the Monday, Thursday, Monday, be one of those days, then that day wouldn't be a fast day. All right, we'll stop here.